Chapter 82 of The Social War of 1900 or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of 1900 or The Conspirators and Lovers by Simon Landis. Chapter 82 The Religious Conspirators Dumbfounded. The newspapers all over the country published the proclamation and army orders of Dr. Juno, which, however, few but his own people believed he would execute. But after he did so, the whole orthodox world was dumbfounded. In fact, they could not believe that the man lived who would assume such a responsibility as to inaugurate such black deeds as shooting dead prisoners of war. But such was the case, and many of the public journals denounced Juno as an infamous tyrant and dastardly usurper, whilst the liberal press approved of this novel but effectual warfare. The President ordered a draft to be made for five hundred thousand men, and issued a proclamation ordering the guarding of every arsenal in the Union. But he was too late, because seven-eighths of them had already been in secret possession of the naturalists, and by the time the draft was fairly begun, over nine hundred thousand naturalists were in the field, equipped with the military trappings which were stored in said United States arsenals. Even the war vessels had nearly all been in possession of the naturalists, which was a dreadful state of affairs. There was but one thing left for the orthodox people, and that was to offer immense bounties, amounting to five and six thousand dollars for good, able-bodied soldiers who were familiar with tactics and half as much for green men. This was sufficient inducement to raise an immense army and navy, the President having by this time made an additional call, making altogether over one million of men. But, alas, when the officials of the government that was, the orthodoxy, went to the various arsenals for the implements of war, great Mars, they were apparently empty. The muskets, cannon, and accoutrements had fled, and what to do with this immense army and navy, and not enough weapons to equip one half of them, was a stunner. This news was kept as secret as possible. The orthodoxy would not expose it, because the effect would be fatal to their cause, and the naturalists would never divulge their secret operations, hoping, however, to astonish their enemies when the crisis of war would come. There were many excellent generals in the orthodox army, who were on the field, and who mustered and marched all their equipped veterans toward the main army of Dr. Juno, hoping and expecting to outgeneral him, and, if possible, take him prisoner and shoot him, as he shot their men. A terrific battle was fought in the southern part of Ohio, where the army of the naturalists lost ten thousand men in one day in killed and wounded, which made things look blue. But in less than twenty-four hours they were reinforced secretly, or unexpectedly to the orthodox army, when the wheels of fortune were immediately reversed, and over thirty thousand conspirators fell dead in six hours, ten thousand prisoners were taken, and the balance of them escaped the fire and wrath of Juno's men. The same day the prisoners were again challenged, as before, when about two-thirds of them could not resist Dr. Juno's appeal, nor cared to be summarily sent beyond this shoal of tears. The persistent and rebellious ones were shot dead, except four orthodox generals, who, of course, could not join the naturalists, 
and they felt certain Dr. Juno would not shoot them. He addressed them as follows, after he had the balance shot. Brave soldiers, you are the leaders of a misled and drunken people. You have deserved ten deaths, where these poor soldiers that have just fallen at our hands have scarcely deserved death. But my way of carrying on war is greatly different from old customs and usages, and all who are fools enough to join your army and navy cannot expect any better than death if caught in rebellion against the sovereign people's rights. Although you deserve instant death, I will still not have you shot until such time as I find it necessary for my own safety to shoot you. I do not believe in policy in times of peace, but in the terrible hour of war good management points me out the plan I am about to institute. I will retain you as hostages, and should any of my generals or myself ever be taken as prisoners of war by your people, I will now issue my order that if we are shot, or whatever ill usage we shall receive, shall instantly be given to you in return. If you have anything to say, now is your time. I make it a rule never to execute or imprison a foe without giving him an opportunity to fully vindicate himself by words, if he can do so and I hope I shall in all future time be granted the same privilege, which, however, your people have denied me for nearly twenty-five years. Yes, they have closed the newspaper columns against me, have robbed me and mine of every right that God and a free republic permit their subjects, and since you and yours have started the war, we mean to finish it in prime order. Now I shall be happy to hear from the intelligent gentlemen who stand before me. "'Noble sir,' said the eldest of the four, "'we have never before been able to appreciate your excellent character, and, although you have always done business in an original manner, we have not given you credit for being so great a philosopher and general as your novel tactics prove you to be. It is said that still waters run deep, and I have been of the opinion, a month ago, that you could not raise ten thousand soldiers.' but I now see that, whilst you seem to be apparently still of late years, you have been running deep, working almost wisely in secret. And, although I am your prisoner, I do not fear that any insult or injustice shall be visited upon us, whilst your hostages. Therefore we shall cheerfully submit to whatever you dictate." "'You flatter me,' responded Dr. Juno. "'But whilst I harbour no malice, I am nevertheless not easily gulled by flattery. But I may never find it in my power to repay the debt I owe the leaders of the orthodox conspirators. Still, I will assure you that you will never harm yourself or my cause any more. And if I did not see the necessity of using a little policy in case of a mishap, I would shoot you with as little compunction of conscience as I would kill a snake. I mean this kindly because duty cries aloud for such kindness to the little ones, and as long as the accursed doctrines of the orthodoxy rule, human souls will be sprung into existence at haphazard, through lust and assumed chastity, whilst the land will be flooded with criminals to the manner born, who are reared with less science and care than farm-brutes or vermin. End of chapter 82